Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Max Olsen, Thursdays at 4. Most of the time, he also has about nine other things he's juggling professionally, if not 20, plus a child as they head into the holidays uh, as well. Max Olsen joins us. Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, David Smoke. So, Max, uh, right before we started the show, the Jim Harbaugh news, just kind of – I know it's not over because the NCAA has their deal, but kind of nice that that has been cleared up and now we can discuss other things. Yeah, that was surprising. Um, but I think it probably is a statement that, uh, you know, while I, I, you can understand why on Friday night, Saturday morning, Michigan thought of a temporary restraining order would, would was the step they needed to take to try to get – um, Jim Harbaugh cleared to coach against Penn State. I think when you've had a little bit, uh, a few days to kind of deliberate on that approach and this hearing that was, that was supposed to happen at the end of this week, I think you kind of realize that's probably not a winning strategy to have uh, uh, Jim, Jim Harbaugh under oath about uh, what's going on <laughs> in Michigan. So, um, you know, probably a good good realization there and, and a good, uh, you know, settlement by Michigan to say, yep, he's going to miss these three games. Um, I, I, maybe they feel like they got a compromise on that of, of some confidence that, you know, the big 10 won't hold them out of their conference title game or things like that. But, um, yeah, uh, not surprised that uh, that one was not going to go to a hearing. I am a little surprised that uh, we avoided it though. <laughs> Max, uh, part of that also on the big 10 side is I have a feeling that Michigan was going to really throw a bunch of stuff at the wall. Uh, and then even if their suspension holds up, then they have to deal with, well, what about Rutgers and stuff like that? Yeah. And, and you, and, you know, it just, it, it pits um, the big 10 against Michigan in a very adversarial scenario. And that's not, I mean, you know, certainly they had to step in and do something from a, a sportsmanship and, and integrity of the game standpoint, but I, you're not, I don't think if you're the big 10, you're, you really want to go to war with that university and, 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 you know, one of your most valuable brands and everything. So, um, yeah, I don't know if this is just a little bit of a cooler heads prevail thing. Certainly, um, 
you know, ultimately a very big deal that Jim Harbaugh will not be coaching against Ohio State. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's maybe probably a little bit unsatisfying to Ohio State fans that uh, there's sort of an asterisk on that game to some degree. But, uh, you know, as we saw against Penn State, um, you know, I think that coaching staff can handle it. But uh, that, that it, it definitely adds to a, a game that was already going to be uh, possibly the best of the year. Max, the floor is yours. Can you please explain the Big 12 tiebreaker procedures? <laughs> I can, and I'd, I'd rather not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that I, I think that the real problem here, obviously we all, we're all kind of used to this. Um, you know, we all remember why the Big 12 had to create a tiebreaker policy. And ever since then, it's been pretty straightforward because you had round-robin schedules. So you always have head-to-head to come back to and, and uh, in settling ties, right? I, I think the challenge this year was, okay, we're not doing round-robin, and there's going to be – uh, situations like, you know, Oklahoma and K-State don't play each other this year. So how do you settle that if there's like a three-way tie and there wasn't a game between two of the teams, right? And so um, I think the Big 12 side would say they clarified that the language was maybe not as precise as it needed to be on, on those tiebreaker policies, which they did change going into the year, obviously, in, in having the 14-team league this year. I think the people on the Oklahoma media side would say that they uh, maybe they changed it or, or fixed it or whatever, but uh, – Regardless, uh, still two weeks of games to play here. And, you know, I think the, the, the thing that will get really crazy is if Iowa State does beat Texas, and then you've kind of got everybody tied there in second place. Max, the stop rate, you put that up. It's a, a great, great uh, kind of a barometer throughout the year. Garrett, do we have that available, the stop rate uh, that Max has? Here we go, Michigan rolling through people. How about that? Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, the first four all from inside the Big Ten, three of them in the same division. Did you see? Did you see where Baylor's at? I don't even. Uh, 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 very you, last. One twenty-five or what? Did, one one twenty-one. Uh, yeah, one twenty-one. I'm surprised that you decided to type that long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got things to do, Max. I don't know how much stopping is actually going on <laughs> yeah, at that rate. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's um. It's, I mean, the stop rate still it's still above fifty percent, but it's not very high. Very far above fifty percent. Yeah. No, it's uh, you're right to, to mention the ones at the top. Certainly, the Big Ten um, stands out, and they kind of always do when it comes to this measure. How about Iowa um, mm-hmm. being third in this, playing 125 drives on defense, which is more than almost anybody in the sport, and still getting stopped on 80% of their drives? Uh, you know, Phil Parker, he probably should be there at the end of the deal with the, with the Broyles Award among the best uh, assistants in the country. Um, yeah, very impressive by them, and, and certainly – you know, Michigan's been in this top spot for, for many weeks here. And, uh, you know, we, we will see if any if Ohio State or any other offenses can, uh, you know, actually get over them. It would be nice to see a school take the offensive coordinator who gets the least from his defense, whoever that may be. Uh, of course, you would know it's on your list. Uh, and then Phil Parker and put them together and see what would happen. You're saying Phil Parker should go to USC? Yeah, oh, probably. There you go. Yeah. Oh my I'm sure god! They would you you want to see what happens? Yeah, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> I think Phil Parker would probably be bothered by how they practice a little bit mm-hmm. out, out in Southern California. Um, you know, part of that, guys. Honestly, it's easy to say, well, the offenses suck in the Big Ten, so that's why the defenses are good or whatever. But part of it is Iowa knows. You know, they know what they've got. They know they have to play complementary football and uh, and play the field position game, which usually benefits their defense. So. Um, that that group, uh, you know, has, has done a terrific job this year. 
obviously getting very uh, very little run support. The news just came down uh, just a little while ago, but you've already got something up on The Athletic about uh, Jalen Daniels and the big decision yep. to return to Kansas in 2024. Your thoughts on what that means for Lance Leipold and company, and obviously been a tough year for him, so good news for college football fans and especially Kansas fans. Yeah, you know, candidly, guys, for over the past month, I've just heard a lot of speculation from coaches outside of Kansas hmm. wondering what's going on there. Why, why isn't he playing – um, is his back injury really that bad? Is he just trying to take a four-game redshirt and transfer out uh, and, and have two years of eligibility somewhere else? And, uh, you know, that that's not the case. I mean, Jalen Daniels is very committed to, to being at Kansas. Uh, this back injury has been lingering since fall camp. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a problem. I'm, I'm uh, Fortunately, I haven't experienced back issues like this before, but everyone I've talked to says, yeah, if you've had them, they're, they're brutal. Um, and I think it's just been really tough for him to uh, ramp up back to play without having setbacks. And so um, for him to come out and announce, you know, about two, three weeks before the portal opens that he's not looking to leave Kansas. I think that's huge for that program. It's huge for Lance Leifold. And, uh, you know, if you look at their roster, if they can get Devin Neal and Kobe Bryant and some of these guys that are on their team that are juniors that have another year, if they can get their, or juniors or seniors that have an extra year, if they can get these guys to come back, Kansas is going to have one of the most experienced teams in the conference next year. And I think that's certainly going to be a factor for Lance Leipold as he gets calls about these jobs that are opening. I, I think they really feel like they are setting up for 24 to be a big year. Um, Jason Bean is not back next year, but getting Jan Daniels back um, and, and getting that guy healthy, it's easy to forget. He was the preseason big 12 offensive player of the year. Yep. Looked really good in the three starts that he had this year. Um, just can't wait to see that kid get back to normal, Hope whether it's the bowl game this year or next season. Uh, that's just massive for that program that uh, he's he's all in and wants to stick around. Texas can clinch a spot in the title game with a win, obviously, at Ames, uh, in Ames against Iowa State. But is the Big 12 yet again, and it's sometimes the names at the top change. Oklahoma for many, many years was in that mix like every year. But every year. Yeah. It, it seems like every year there are three or four teams that outperform what the expectations are, and there's two or three, Baylor's one of them, that, like, falls apart. So is it still one of the, the, the most competitive top-to-bottom conferences, in your opinion, in the country? I think so. I mean, it, it, and honestly, guys, ever since – we talked about this before, but ever since Kansas got good, yeah. it's like, well, who's supposed to be at the bottom here? I mean, you kind of assume – that Cincinnati and Houston were going to have a tough year, and they have. But beyond that, I mean, you watch these week to week, and, you know, Oklahoma's going to BYU this week. Maybe that's going to be easy. Maybe it's not. Like, some of these – like, certainly if you asked Oklahoma State fans a week ago, they thought they were going to win out, and you go and get blown out in Orlando, right? So it's like uh, – I, I do think it, 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 part of it is just kind of a product of the tough schedule. And, man, like some of these teams, they get hit by injuries, and then you kind of see their inexperience. Um, it, it can be a really rough run because you just don't get – there just aren't a bunch of weeks baked into the schedule where you're like, well, this will be the easy win. So, um, yeah, that's it's kind of that, – that's one of the features of this league. It's not a bug. It's a feature. And, you know, it does lead to – if you look at it over the last five years, yeah, I know Oklahoma's been in a bunch of them, but uh, we, we tend to see new teams in this conference title game pretty much every year. Max, we can, you know, dive into the, the coaching carousel that's probably spinning to Waco at any, any given moment. But what are your thoughts on some of the moves that have gone down? Jimbo, um, Zach Arnett, Boise State, all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I was surprised by the timing on, on Texas A&M right after they clinched a, a bowl game. Um, not, not. I mean, it's. It, I, I get it from the A&M standpoint. If you, if the money is not a problem, then you have to really assess your program very critically. And I think it's understandable that they felt like there's not really a lot of positive momentum to point to, and that it was probably going to be a, a very expensive offseason to run it back um, for that roster and that staff. So. You know, I, I, I'm really interested to see where Ross Bjork goes with that search. I, I think if you are kind of doing the common sense hire here and you, you're going for a Jeff Trailer or a Mike Elko, like, I think that's a good outcome. I, I don't think that there's, like, after the Jimbo Fisher era, I, I would not be very worried about, like, how, how sexy is this hire. I think you need a program builder right now because you've got all these resources and all these positive things going on. You just need someone to, to run a better organization and, uh, and and actually, you know, have discipline, have a good culture and all that. And I think they're, they're looking at the right kind of people. Um, Lance Leifold on that list, too. I, 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 so I'm interested to see what, you know, obviously that one's going to move quickly. I think they want to have somebody in place by the beginning of December. Um, so curious to see how, how quickly that one goes. Uh, Mississippi State, you know, I think you've got a, a new AD there who, who certainly, you know, gave – Zach Arnett one year to kind of prove that he could be a head coach. It's been a rough year there. Um, I think you can make a really good hire there, and, and there's a lot of appealing coaches there. If I were if I were there and, and you got guys like Jamie Chadwell you could go get, like I, I think that makes sense. I think you want to be a little bit unique at Mississippi State to compete in that conference that's only getting tougher. Um, you know, definitely, you know, in, in your neck of the woods, I, I think the, the, the I think everybody's kind of looking and wondering, okay, what's going to happen in Arkansas? What's going to happen at Baylor? What's going to happen at Houston? I think those are kind of the ones that you're wondering, um, you know, what is the, is the status there after uh, pretty frustrating seasons? And, you know, I think obviously UCLA is not a done deal yet, but, uh, you know, what's going on there? Who's the right kind of coach for UCLA if Chip Kelly is indeed on the way out? Is that Jed Fish? Is that somebody that's in that league? Um, curious what direction Martin Jarman would go in there if they're moving on. Max, uh, I guess uh... You know, some pretty big games coming up this weekend. We don't have time to go over all of them, but I guess the biggest one, Washington and Oregon State. What are your thoughts of the Beavers at home where they've been very, very good and could shake up the whole playoff race here, um, but uh, slight favorites as the undefeated Huskies roll into town? <laughs> yeah, how about the undefeated Huskies as, as a uh, road underdog <laughs> yeah. this week? Um, pretty, pretty telling that uh, Vegas thinks this game is going to be really competitive, and, you know, I think that's a testament to – um, you know, Oregon State's playing good defense. I, I, obviously, they've they've brought out the best in in DJ Uyunglele, and I I think that there's, I think they've got a chance in this game. I, I think Washington, if Washington's going to lose a game in the regular season, it's probably going to be this one. I'm not saying I totally buy it. I, I think I kind of like Washington at the points here, but like, uh, man, I, I think Oregon State doesn't have, like, they haven't really been a giant killer. If you look at where their wins have come from this year. Um, but this is a really interesting spot for Washington. And I think you just, you know, you just got to find a way to survive this one because I do think it's going to be, that that place is going to be packed. It's going to be a a big time atmosphere there and a big challenge for for Michael Penix and this offense uh, against a team that I think can play with them for four quarters. Um, I don't know that I see the upset, but uh, you know, this weekend does have a few games where you're kind of like, okay, maybe this is the week when we get a little bit of like real chaos. Max, I know you got to go, but uh, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the SEC, 
not the ACC and or the Big 12, but those three superpower conferences, at least for now, don't they each have a pretty legitimate chance if things work out to have the possibility of two teams in the in the semifinals? You're saying two for the ACC? No, not two for – no, not the ACC. Oh, it's Florida not the State ACC. Or okay. It's probably gotcha, Texas gotcha. or bust. And the other three conferences each have a pretty good shot at yeah. m- maybe not good odds, but having two teams get in the final four. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and honestly, guys, you know, we haven't gotten too deep into the, even though we get these weekly rankings um, that, that are supposed to mean something. We ha- it, it's interesting. We haven't gotten too deep into this process of kind of, you know, three, four, five, six, mm-hmm. who has the best resume, who, who's really the most deserving here. And I think that's going to become pretty important in the next couple of weeks because, it certainly is possible, as much as we like to kind of uh, play play with these scenarios on Twitter and, and oh, who would you pick in this situation and stuff, it definitely is possible we're heading to a situation where there are six very good deserving teams for four spots. Like, I think that that's possible. And I'm not saying that that would – it doesn't necessarily mean, oh, that Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC Town game or something like that. But, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, Oregon, Washington, I, I think you're absolutely right, Smokey. We're going to have – more teams than we have spots this year, just in terms of the quality, and uh, and what is the committee supposed to do with that? They they prefer it to be easy decisions, and I don't think we're going to have one this year. Thank you, sir. We appreciate your time, Max. Have a great week. Uh, again, Thanks. obviously Thanksgiving next week. Enjoy it. Enjoy the, the the next couple of weeks. We'll get you on right after that. Appreciate it. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.